Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. The 2021 MLB season is here, and although the seats may not be full, your bankroll has the chance to be. Greg Hoops Peterson has you covered for every game, every day this season, along with comprehensive analysis and angles for getting to the window while celebrating the walk-off winners and blown saves of what will be a wild season. Now it is time for the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson. A warm and friendly hello, welcome to lovely Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Podcast. Myself, Greg Peterson, we've got an absolutely terrific show for you. As joining me in the second segment, we've got John Jansen. He does great work out there with Fox Sports Philadelphia, the gambler. In the second segment, you guessed it, we are going to be talking about the San Diego Padres. No, I'm kidding. We're going to be talking about the Philadelphia Phillies. We are going to be talking a lot about the NL East, just what we've all seen there. We're also going to be talking about some of the surprise teams who he thinks winds up having some staying power, who he thinks is a bunch or two that might be coming back to the pack. So we're going to have a great chat there. Then in the final segment, I'm going to give you guys a side total. On every game on the Friday MLB betting board, as we touch them all, first things first, love to be able to answer Twitter questions on this podcast. You've got one of two ways to be able to fire that in. At my Twitter timeline, GUnit underscore 81 is the first one. Keep in mind the letters DM, they mean does not matter. The other way is find an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. And then from there, you're able to send in your questions, comments, segment ideas, whatever you did not wind up getting in any questions today, but we did have a fun day of baseball on Thursday, so let's take a look back at it, try to find some trends in, try to get to know these teams a little bit better. What happened yesterday? Let's go around the bases and find out. The aforementioned Philadelphia Phillies that we're going to be talking about with John. Well, they wind up sweeping the Milwaukee Brewers 2-0, the final in the game on Thursday as 
The Brewers just weren't able to get any offense whatsoever. Actually, both of these teams weren't as both teams had one hit through six innings. The Brewers come up with three for the game, and it squanders what was a really good performance by Brandon Woodruff. Six and two-thirds innings, punches out 11. He gives up one run. That one run was a solo home run. Alec Baum winds up going yard, delivering a bomb his fourth of the campaign, and for Zach Wheeler, complete game. He winds up punching out eight in the process, 118 pitches. You did not have to use the less than trustworthy bullpen if you're the Philadelphia Phillies, and they wind up being able to get the job done, and they have been notably better at home versus on the road. That is something else that we're going to be getting into with our chat with John. The Houston Astros were able to avoid a sweep at the hands of the New York Yankees, 7-4 the final. For Garrett Cole, he didn't wind up having his great strikeout numbers in this one. He had been averaging more than 13 punch-outs per nine innings. Seven innings pitch, he does give up two runs, both of which were solo runs. Being able to go deep for the Houston Astros off of him, you wound up having Jordan Alvarez deliver both of them. His fourth and fifth of the season, and then the bullpen just wound up letting down Mr. Garrett Cole as well, as they wind up giving up a combined five runs in the final two innings, including a pair of home runs. Jose Altuve, his second of the campaign, that comes off of Chad Green, and then Martin Maldonado, who has been terrible at the plate this year. A buck 29 batting average, and that's because he's on fire right now. His first of the season, that comes off of Justin Wilson, who gave up two runs in an inning. Chad Green, he got one out, and he gave up three runs, so not terrific there, but what is helping out the Yankees is the fact that Giancarlo Sand has come around with the bat. He winds up going deep off of Lance McCullers Jr., his ninth of the campaign, and then for Clint Frazier, he was able to get his third home run of the the season. You wound up having McCullers give you a pretty solid start. Eight punch outs. He does give up those two home runs, but three runs given up over the course of six innings. And then from there, Ryan Presley, a two inning save. He winds up giving up one run over the course of two innings, and Andre Scrub was able to give you a solid ending as well. You were able to get some very good inning out of both the Boston Red Sox and the Detroit Tigers. 12 to 9, the final for the Tigers. They enter into this game, averaging right around three runs per contest. They played nine, and yet they still wind up losing as they didn't necessarily do so with home runs. They went six of 17 with Ben in scoring position. And for Spencer Turnbull, just not a good start from. He winds up giving up four runs, only two of which were earned over the course of three innings. He was hurt by a bevy of errors out there in the field as Jamir Candelario commits to Nico Goodrum. He also had a pair of them as well. From there, Tyler Alexander gives up three runs, two of which were earned. Buck Farmer gives up a run, and he didn't even give you a single out. Now, Kyle Funkhauser, for one, a very good name, and for two, he winds up giving you two innings. He gives up one unearned run, and then from there, you wind up having more unearned runs as Gregory Soto and Alex Lang, they give up a combined three unearned runs in the eighth inning, and for the Boston Red Sox, it was no home runs for them, but they go 9-23 with men in scoring position. Now, Nathan Eovaldi, he did not have a good start in this one. Gives up six runs over the course of four and a third innings, but Philip Zaldez gives up a run in an inning out of the bullpen. Save for Matt Andres, but Adam Adovino, Darwinzer, Hernandez, they were able to hold it down and they were able to get the series win over the helpless Detroit Tigers, who at 9-23 and currently the worst team out there in the big leagues. The New York Metropolitans have had a tough time fighting runs on the road. A little bit over three per contest for them, but they take down the St. Louis Cardinals by a count of 4-1, to one, despite the fact that they left 17 men on base. Taiwan Walker was terrific. One unearned run over the course of seven innings. He gives up just one hit. From there, you have Edwin Diaz redeeming himself from Sunday Night Baseball. He winds up pitching a scoreless inning. Trevor May as well. And for the St. Louis Cardinals, this was a spot in which John Gant was just dodging bullets. Four and a third innings. Walks six. Gives up five hits. Gives up just two runs, one of which was earned. And then out there in the bullpen, Tyler Webb gives up two runs without getting it out. But you wind up having Cody Whitley, Genesis Cabrera, Seth Eldridge all wind up combining for two and two-thirds innings of scoreless baseball. And then the Woodford, Jake Woodford, winds up giving you two scoreless innings as well. That was very fascinating to say the least. The Texas Rangers, they wind up taking down the 
Minnesota Twins have find themselves at 11-19 on the year. 4-3 the final for the Twins. Bullpen has been just a disaster for this team, to say the least. It wasn't necessarily so bad in this one. Enzo Robles finds up giving up a run out of the bullpen. And Michael Pineda, he was solid. Six innings pitch. He gives up two runs from there. Taylor Rogers winds up being able to give you four outside the bullpen. Ty Duffy, he winds up giving up an unearned run in extra innings. So, not necessarily his fault. And for the Minnesota Twins, Max Kepler... Finally got his first home run the campaign. That comes off of Jordan Lyles. And for Jordan Lyles, he had himself a not necessarily so great start, but he didn't completely light the game on fire. Gives up three runs, including that home run over the course of five innings. But a Rangers bullpen that has been in the bottom five with regards to ERA all season long. They were terrific. Five scoreless innings. Uh, Josh Shorbich along Taylor Hearn and Brett Geis with Geis and Hearn giving you two innings apiece. And for the Texas Rangers, Joey Gallo got his fourth home run the campaign off of Pineda. And then you wind up getting a second home run the campaign out of catcher. Jonah Heim, so that was very good for them. What else was very good? The Toronto Blue Jays giving Hunjin Ryu some run support at his first start off the injured list. 10-4 the final for Ryu. He didn't wind up having his best stuff in this one, but still gave the team five innings. Gives up four runs. Those all wound up coming in the first three innings and taking him deep. You had Mark Canna getting his fifth home run of the campaign, but for Mike Fires, he set Fires to your bankroll if you bet on him. He winds up going three and a third innings, giving up five runs, all of which were earned, including two home runs. Going deep for the Toronto Blue Jays off of him. Randall Gritchick is six home run of the campaign, and then you wind up getting Danny Jansen, his first home run of the year, and he has been terrible. Meanwhile, Marcus Simeon, he winds up going deep off of the bullpen. His seventh home run of the campaign, that comes off of Raymond Goudin. Goudin has been not necessarily the best bullpen arm for this team. 10.57 ERA, you have Sergio Romo looking more like Sergio Romo. He winds up giving up a run while getting just two outs. Adam Clarer gave you a scoreless setting, but Diolias Guerrera has been pretty soft for this team as well. Three runs, two of which were earned over the course of two innings, and for the Blue Jays, one of the top bullpens out there in the big leagues. They get it done. Joel Payampas along Travis Bergen. Both give you two scoreless innings apiece. The Atlanta Braves were able to get some relatively solid pitching on Thursday as well, as they wind up taking down the Washington Nationals by a count of 3-2. to two. Drew Smiley won under and run over the course of six innings. Far from the Drew Smiley of old, as he has been relatively a good strikeout pitcher, but a guy that gives up a bunch of runs. He had four walks and four punch-outs in this one, so complete opposite there. Luke Jackson gives you a scoreless inning. You have Will Smith getting jiggy with it for a save. You did wind up having Edgar Santana give up a run out of the bullpen, but by and large they were able to do their job, and for the Atlanta Braves. They left just one man on base. They wind up getting four hits in this one, so they made the most of them as John Lester winds up giving up three runs over the course of five innings. Nothing great, nothing terrible from there. Austin both gives you two scoreless innings. Danny Hudson lost right in. They were able to hold down the fourth, but for the Washington Nationals, complete opposite of the Atlanta Braves. They strained 10 men on base, going 1 of 12 with men in scoring position. Good news for this team. Juan Soto was able to give the team a pinch hitting appearance, so it looks like he's on his way to being able to get back for this team, but still, a little bit concerning for the Washington Nationals. Not being able to win that game with only one man left on base for the Atlanta Braves. 3 to 1, the Miami Marlins were able to take down the Arizona Diamondbacks for the D-backs. Vincent Bumgarner, another solid start in this one. Gives up one run over the course of six innings. Bullpen from there with J.B. Bukakis leading the way. Did not wind up holding up. Caleb Smith gave you a scoreless inning, but Bukakis he winds up giving up a home run. Two runs in total in an inning as being able to take him deep was Adam Duvall, his sixth of the campaign, and then you wind up getting Miguel Rojas, his first home run of the campaign. It was a leadoff home run from off of Madison Gardner. Really the only run that he wound up giving up and for the years in the Diamondbacks. 18 as in the top five with the guards of runs per game. They just weren't able to get anything generated. They wind up leaving 10 men on base as Pablo Lopez gave you a relatively good start here. One under and run over the course of five innings, and then from there, Dylan Floro. 
Anthony Bender, along with Anthony Bass and Yimi Garcia. All a scoreless inning for this team. You wind up having just a scoreless day in general for the Kansas City Royals. 4-0 the final. For the Cleveland Indians, you had Framil Reyes get a home run off of Jake Brents. That is his eighth home run in the campaign. For the Royals, Danny Duffy was not necessarily what he has been at the beginning of the year. This is more of the Danny Duffy of old. Five and two-thirds innings, gives up three runs, entered into this game with a 0-6 ERA. You felt like that was built on a little bit of sand from there. Brents winds up giving up that solo home run, but Chris Bubich with a gay winds up giving you a scoreless inning, so it was not a Bubich trap for the Kansas City Royals trotting him out there. Meanwhile, Tyler Zuber gave the team a scoreless inning, but for the Royals, just flat out nothing doing for the team. They wind up getting four hits for the Indians. Tristan McKenzie winds up walking four, but five scoreless innings out of him. From there, James Karinczak, Emmanuel Clays were able to give you a scoreless inning, and Nick Sandlin hurls two scoreless innings, and then there were a lot of scoreless innings in the beginning part of the Rays versus Angels game, but the Rays are up for a run in the seventh, and a Touchdown in the eighth to be able to take down the Angels by a count of eight to three. In this one, Colin McHugh served as the opener. Two scoreless innings out of him. Josh Fleming, he gives up three runs over the course of five innings, including home run. Going deep for the Angels in this one. Joey Otani is 10th in. For Andrew Heaney, terrific start for the Angels. He doesn't give up a single run in six and two-thirds innings. Punches out 10. And then from there... Mike Myers winds up giving up four runs stretched between the 7th and the 8th inning. Aaron Slagers gives up two runs. You wind up having two runs given up by Felix Pena, so he now has an ERA of a 27. C.C. gave you a scoreless inning, but for the Tampa Bay race in that explosion, Mike Zanino had a big part of it. He goes deep off of Myers for his 6th home run the campaign for the race. They go 4 of 9 with men in scoring position, and they wind up sweeping the LA Angels, who are currently playing at a rate of about 60% of their games to the over. And if you're just taking a look at Major League Baseball in general. The Cincinnati Reds continue to be your top over team with a little bit over 60% of their games going over, but if you're looking at just the last seven days, you are noticing that away favorites are only 18 and 17, so that means that home dogs, 17 and 18, they've been quite profitable. Now, favorites in general have been doing a little bit better over the last seven days, 52 and 41, so that's a clip of about 56% for the season favorites, hitting right around 53.2%, 243 and 214. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at overs and unders, the overs are right in line pretty much with the unders. 223 unders, 221 overs. Things were getting airbrained about two weeks ago, and they still are with regards to the overs over the last seven days. 57 overs and 35 unders. So that's something I'm certainly keeping my eye on and something I keep my eye on. People that do a great job of being able to look at baseball in general. John Jansen out there with... Fox Sports Philadelphia, the gambler, does an absolutely terrific job of that. We're going to be talking Philadelphia Phillies. We're going to be talking NL East. It's so much more. That's on the other side right here on the Baseball Betting Podcast with myself, Greg Peterson. Greg is calling in a pinch hitter from the Overtime Network Hotline. And we're back here in lovely Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Podcast. Myself, Greg Peterson. It is great to be joined by our next guest. This is the man that you are able to hear in the great state of Pennsylvania as he works for Fox Sports Philadelphia, the gambler. You're able to catch his show, The Line Change, from 8 to 11 p.m. Eastern Time, Monday through Friday. And that is 5 to 8 p.m. Pacific Time. This is a man that does a great job evaluating a lot of different things, including baseball. And you're able to follow him on Twitter at jjjansen 34 And then that is the number 34 at the end, not spelled out as it is. John Jansen joining me on the podcast. And John, it is great to have you aboard. Thank you so much for joining me. 
Yeah, thanks for having me. And glad we get to talk about a Philly sweep and not the Phillies getting swept or being terrible or anything. So it's good. It's a lot better than the last time I was on here. So at the <laughs> expense of my home state Milwaukee Brewers, but you know what? I bet the Phillies heavily <laughs> in this series myself. And when you take a look at this team, what are your thoughts on them moving forward? Because I just take a look at the Phillies, and what is so intriguing about them is that. It just feels like they're a completely different team home to road at home. We just saw it against the Milwaukee Brewers being able to put together that sweep. They looked absolutely tremendous, but on Friday, they're going to hit the road. They're going to be facing off against the Atlanta Braves. It looks like they're going to be an underdog in game one, in my opinion, rightfully so against Charlie Morning Company. Maybe the line's a little bit too high, but when I take a look at the Phillies, I just have to evaluate this team completely differently based on the ballpark. Yeah, definitely based on the ballpark. And it's baseball. It's one of those weird things where the starts that they were getting from Chase Anderson and Vince Velasquez are the ones that really started this whole four-game winning streak and sweep against Milwaukee. It's great that they're getting good innings, and I think they're finally realizing that Vince Velasquez is probably one of their better options in the rotation. Not that it's a great option, but one of their better ones. So I think he's likely going to stay in the starting rotation while Matt Moore stays in the bullpen, who actually came out, had a couple of good innings in the bullpen. But yeah, it's just baseball. It's one of those things where the back end of the rotation for the Phillies has been awful for the most part to start the season. And then, of course, their last two games have been phenomenal. Great start out of Vince Velasquez. Great start out of Chase Anderson. A lot of one-run games. The bullpen's helping out a little bit. Zach Wheeler just had a great start. So, yeah, things are going pretty well. But, yes, now the test is go on the road, have a great start again for whether it's Velasquez or Anderson, and continue that. That's going to be now the the next challenge, I guess, for the Phillies. And so far when they're on the road, and I guess the more we get into these starts for Velasquez and Anderson in the back end of the rotation, I just get a little bit worried about that. I totally agree with you. I am very wary of Vince Velasquez. I do think that Chase Anderson is going to be able to pick it up as long as he's able to keep the ball in the yard. He does have some upside as we do have John Jansen joining me on the podcast, but I do still have trepidation when it comes to this bullpen as well. We know that Hector Neris can be all over the place. Brandon Kitzler has not necessarily had the world's greatest year for this team. You take a look at someone like a Jojo Romero, hard to have a lot of faith in him. David Hale has been hit or miss as well. When you take a look at the bullpen, no question, I think you'd agree with me. It's better than last year, but what are your thoughts on that? Because I do feel like that might be the team's biggest question mark moving forward. Yeah, and it still is. I mean, they almost lost a couple of games because of it, but where they got kind of bailed out, again, it's the back end of the rotation. That's the story here because they were able to go deeper in games and they have all season. I think they were averaging just under five innings per start. And I think both Anderson and Vince Velasquez went over five innings in their last start. So being able to go deeper in the games and not deeper into their bullpen, certainly I think kind of hid some of the problems. But yes, we get into to this problem again where maybe guys aren't going deeper into starts whether that's Jay Sanderson, Velasquez and even Nola a couple of times, Zach Wheeler a few times, Zach Eflin you know they didn't go deep into games and once you got deeper into the bullpen the issues kind of came up. It is still a problem I don't think this four game sweep against the Brewers showed that the problem was done it just showed that okay once you are able to not utilize your bullpen as much not go as deep into it they're fine but I don't know how long and we know baseball it's not going to last that long and they're eventually going to have to go into their bullpen a little bit more and if they do that against the Braves that is going to be a big big problem in this series and speaking of not being able to last so long I think that the Braves struggles when it comes to being able to get on base are not going to last as long as well when you just take a look at the NL East in general it's been very strange We all recall that Mets versus Phillies series in which the Mets were able to win that last game because the Philadelphia Phillies had no idea how to throw the ball in from the infield. I don't think I've ever seen that in a Major League Baseball game before in my life, but 
that wound up happening. Myself and Jeff Parles were on the RV set and we were in shock. You should have had a lot of fun with that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, in my 11, 12 year old baseball league, I would have been thrown out of the game and benched for the rest of it. And I committed something like that. And there was a minimum innings limit in which I had to play in those games, but that was not necessarily too terrific. You take a look at the Washington Nationals. They've been in or miss. Without Juan Soto, I've actually been pleasantly surprised by how they've been performing. But it just feels like this entire division is full of inconsistencies. Yeah, it is. And I don't know what I'm going to take after the first month because, I mean, even the Red Sox, I don't know what to think of them. Like Oakland, we thought to be a horrible, horrible baseball team. And they're playing well. It's A lot of things are shifting. So I'm going to still stay focused on when I look at the rosters and I'm looking at the talent on each team, I still have to believe in the Braves. But I will say with the Phillies, there are a lot of issues, but if we're seeing why they could potentially be a playoff team because their starting pitching can be good. Now they have to deal with the back end of the rotation, but starting pitching can be good. Their lineup can be good and they're dealing with a lot of injuries. They still need to get Gene Segura back. Bryce Harper hasn't been playing. So there are some things with the Phillies that there there are to like, and they could end up making the playoffs because of it. But at the end of the day, I just think with the Braves, as soon as they get healthy and they, at least they're starting rotation, getting freed and Soroka healthy, that is the most important thing because we just saw Anoa. He's pitching really well. Charlie Morton's doing okay this season. You add guys like Soroka and Freed, and then on top of that, the way Ian Anderson's pitching, I think the Braves really have it set up well when they're healthy. But yeah, at the moment, it's really hard to like anything with the NL East. I will say I don't like the Mets at all. I know there are lineup issues. It could be resolved. But it takes a while for sometimes new teams, when they're trying to put new players together, it takes a while for it to really come together. And I think we're starting to see that with them. I do feel like when you take a look at the Phillies, they are the biggest boomer bus team as well, because yeah. with Carlos Carrasco and Noah Syndergaard coming back at some point, it means that you're not going to have to rely upon so many of these back-end starters as well. So that's going to be able to help them out. David Peterson probably either moves to like a super setup man or like a long relief role, something like that. You don't have to rely upon someone like Joey Lucchese to be able to give you a spot start either. <laughs> And I think that that's really going to be able to help them out as well. So I think that they actually are the biggest wild card in this division. Yeah, they are the biggest wild card. I would say the Mets because the potential was there. I think the Phillies and Mets both, they just do have that kind of boomer bust and very top heavy. But yeah, the Mets, it's just about getting healthy for them. And then them trying to figure out, I guess, you know, because it's a bunch of new players. It really is. And baseball, we think that you can just plug them into a lineup and immediately they're going to be good. But I think the biggest example for me was Harper and Machado. When Machado went to San Diego, Harper filled. Philadelphia. It took a while for them to really get acclimated. And, you know, that's kind of the process they're going through while also trying to get healthy. But if everything comes together for the Mets at the right time and it's not too late or they're not, you know, so far out of this division, which obviously they're not because the division itself is starting out really slow. Yeah, they're a team that I would be really scared about come maybe middle of the summer if they really do put it all together and get healthy here. They would be very scary. I agree, as we do have John Jansen joining me on the podcast. Does a terrific job with Fox Sports, the gambler out there in the great state of Pennsylvania. And John, when you just take a look at the league in general, I know that you wound up talking about the Boston Red Sox a little bit, not necessarily being a buyer on them. I totally agree with you. I do think that the bullpen has some concerns. We saw with Nathan Eovaldi giving up six runs to the Detroit Tigers in his start on Thursday. That's not necessarily too tremendous. But when you take a look at the teams that I feel like, according to the mass media, have overachieved slash underachieved. Which ones do you think have staying power? Which ones do you think will fall back to the back? Because I agree with you on the Red Sox, but I do think that it's very curious to see how these teams that have surprised early on the season wind up faring. 
Yeah, that is a really great question. Obviously, the Giants are, I think, overachieving a lot. And you have to give credit, even as a Phillies fan, I have to give credit to Gabe Kapler here, even though I've been a fan of his since day one. They're doing a tremendous job, but is that going to stay? I'm not too sure it is. I think the team that, you know, maybe a, a little bit, not overexceeding, I think they were not really given as much respect in the offseason, and it's kind of showing already. And if they get healthy, especially their lineup, they should be fine. But I think it's the Brewers. Their starting pitching is legitimately just that good. And I know they just got swept by the Phillies, which isn't really, <laughs> this isn't, I guess, the timing thing's not great. But 17 and 15, only one game back so far from the Cardinals. I mean, they're going to be right in there with the teams in this division. And as we know, starting pitching can really put you over the hump, especially when you get close to the playoff time. So they're one, I think, that. Not sort of underachieving, maybe overachieving a little bit to some standards. I think people expected them to kind of be second or third in this division, and they're right up there at the top of the Cardinals. But I would say they have the staying power to stay atop the NL Central and maybe end up winning that thing because the pitching is just legitimately that good. The pitching for the Brewers is legitimately that good. Hitting has been legitimately that bad that it's yes, not necessarily it been <laughs> too terrific for them when you wind up designating Jacob Nottingham for assignment and then trading for him less than 10 days later. You know that things are not necessarily going well. And John, when you just take a look at the board for Friday, I think that we've got some very intriguing series. You've obviously got the Red Sox we've been talking about a little bit earlier playing against the Baltimore Orioles as a favorite. We were talking about the San Francisco Giants. They're going to have their hands full with the San Diego Padres. As we know, the Giants, though, they've gotten off to this hot start, have not had to play the Dodgers or the Padres too much. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens when they wind up ratcheting things up. But is there a game or two that, whether it be from just a casual viewing perspective or a gambling perspective, really catches your eye? Yeah, there are a few games. I know, obviously, I'm going to keep an eye on definitely that Phillies game because that's going to be a good start to the series. And we'll see if Zach Eflin's able to keep it going. But Charlie Morton, 2-1, 5.08 ERA. That's obviously a guy that they need in the starting rotation to pitch a little bit better. So that's going to be an interesting game. But Atlanta is a huge favorite. And honestly, I would look a little bit towards the Phillies. I know the home road splits, but maybe a first five action with Zach Eflin if the price isn't too much of a difference. But we have the Yankees going up against the Nationals and poor old Pat. Patrick Corbin, I would definitely have to look at a maybe team total over for the Yankees. I know their offense has really started to get it going, which is fantastic for them. Giancarlo Stanton's looking like an AL MVP at this point. So he's won definitely that game for sure. I might look at a little team total over and I don't know if I'm necessarily going to bet this one just because I'm not sure, but I am a little bit curious about the White Sox and Royals game. It's a minus 153 for the White Sox and I'm not betting it, definitely not betting the White Sox. I'll have to look into a little bit what Brad Keller's issues are, but the White Sox have struggled a little bit against right-handed pitching, not so much as they were last season. And we all know it's well-documented left-handed pitching is what they really tend to hit. But for them to be a minus 153 favorite, as I'm seeing, it's a little bit much. And I know Carlos Rodon start 4-0, 0.72 ERA. I'm just not sure how long that keeps up. So the price is, is there for him to be an ace. And you know it's getting up there to be an ace level price, premium price to pay. I just don't know if that's a price I'd be willing to pay at all for the White Sox on the road. And I love that you bring up the righty-lefty splits. There are just some teams out there that are notorious against righties, and there are some teams that are notorious against lefties, like the Oakland A's always manage left-handed pitching against right-handed pitching. 
Not so much the case. So I do think that that's always critical to take a look at in your handicapping. And John does a great job of this and so much more. And he covers a wide variety of sports. I know that you're out there in the great state of Pennsylvania. Obviously, you're taking a look a lot at the Philadelphia Phillies. But I know that you're knee-deep in covering the 76ers as they look to be able to make the NBA Finals. I know that there's a lot going on with regards to the teams in the state when it comes to the NFL draft as well, which just concluded last week. And you're covering that and so much more. So let the good people at home know how they're able to follow you on social media and just how they're able to get all of your work since I know that you've got a show every Monday through Friday out there and you do a lot more than that as well. Yeah, at J Jansen34, you can follow me at Fox PHL Gambler Twitter account as well. I'm on 8 to 11 on the line change. Just the iHeartRadio app. You can download that, search up The Gambler or Fox Sports The Gambler and we'll show up and you can listen to us Anywhere, anytime, The Gambler. We have all podcasts as well that you can check out. So, yeah, check it all out. Download the iHeartRadio app. You can hear us wherever, whenever. Just search up The Gambler on that. And then, yeah, follow me at jjansen 34 And John doing an absolutely terrific job out there in the state of Pennsylvania, covering a little bit of everything. And he brought it on the podcast today. So, big thanks to John for joining me right here on the Baseball Betting Podcast. Coming up next, it is that time of the podcast. Thank you, sign total on every game on the Friday MOB betting board as we touch them all. Welcome back to the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson as we're off to a quality start. And now it's time to walk it off in a grand fashion. And we're back here in lovely Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Podcast. Myself, Greg Peterson. A big thanks to John Jansen out there with Fox Sports The Gambler in Philadelphia for joining me in the last segment. Good to be able to catch up on the NL East, talk a little bit with our good buddy out there on the East Coast. Always a pleasure to get him aboard, and always a pleasure to give you guys a sign total on every game on the betting board, and we do so on a little something like call. Touch them all. If a game is listed on the betting board, Greg has a side and a total on it, so it is time to touch them all. Do note that any changes are made to these plays will be listed up on my Twitter feed at JarensCordy1. As per usual, we are going to be going in Las Vegas rotation order. This is National League games first, then the American League, and then any interleague games are going to be coming after that, and then it's in time order to start with. So the matinee game in Chicago is going to be first, as it is 951-952 on the betting board. The Pittsburgh Pirates hit the road face off against the Chicago Cubs, as you've got Zach. Zach Davies is going to be going for the Cubbies. Meanwhile, Trevor Kale is going to be on the bump for the Pirates. The only place in which we've got a total up is at Circa and Westgate, and we're currently seeing that at 7.5. The under is just anywhere between minus 120 and minus 125. Over is anywhere between even and plus 105. If you're taking a look at the Chicago Cubs, you're going to be finding them as a relatively sizable favor. You're going to be finding them as low as a minus 135, as high as a minus 145. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at the Buccos, they were between plus 120 and plus 132, and this is intriguing on the total. As I set the total at 7.3, but I'm not laying between minus 120 to minus 125 juice to be able to go under. So if we'd wind up only getting minus 120 or north of that on the 7.5, I would be taking a look at the over just because it is too much juice to wind up laying. But in this spot, I want to make the Cubs more on a minus 143 favor. Now, Zach Davies, he just has not been in the form that he has been the last two years. He's been walking way too many guys. The hard contact is there. List goes on and on, but the good news is he's going up against a Pittsburgh Pirates lineup that, let's face it, they're not necessarily doing a great job of being able to go yard themselves. They've had quite a few guys be able to get on base for them. Adam Frazier hitting right around at 290 along with Brian Reynolds has been solid. Colin Moran is on that list as well, but when you take a look at some of the guys that are currently getting at bats for this team, Akai Tom has been hitting below the Mendoza line of 200. Kevin Newman has not been able to figure it out. Todd Frazier has been an absolute disaster. Philip Evans has come back to earth as well. And for the Chicago Cubs, all of a sudden the bats have been able to get going for this team. Now, part of the handicap with regards to the total is 
fact that it looks like the wind is going to be blowing in, and it's going to be north of 10 miles an hour, but when you take a look at the Cubs, they do have quite a few guys that are now doing a solid job of being able to get on base. Chris Bryant hitting above a 300. Guys like Avi Baez, Anthony Brizzo, Wilson Contreras, they're all hitting below a 245, but this is marked improvement from the beginning of the year in which it just felt like nobody on this team was getting on base, and Jock Peterson hitting a buck 43. That's not great, but Matt Duffy, Eric Sogard, Nico Horner, these guys would be able to step up, and for the Cubs, really like what I'm seeing out of this bullpen. Someone like a Craig Kimbrell, who was just left out in the wilderness the last couple years, he has been able to pick it up. Justin Steele has been able to give you something. Ryan Tapera, these guys have all been able to come in. They've been able to do their jobs. And for the Pittsburgh Pirates, this is a bunch of which they've got a good bullpen themselves. Richard Rodriguez has come in, along with Kyle Crick, and these guys have been just flat out tremendous for this team all season long. You also take a look at what you're able to get out of someone, even like Michael Felice, who just wound up coming off the injured list. He's going to be able to give you some solid innings. David Bernard. So, I do think that the Pirates are going to be able to hold up at the point of attack with that, but with Kale, 740 ERA, 24 and a third innings. He has only given up eight walks and three home runs, but he's allowing a lot of contact in general, which is why he's got a 152 whip. He's really a guy that he needs to get swings and misses. He hasn't been able to get as many of them so far this season. Meanwhile, for Davies, I do think that he's going to be able to rein it in with the command. 18 walks and 23 innings. That's just been a little bit of a disaster for him. So, if we wind up not getting a better juice price on 7.5, I'd be taking a look at the over. If this gets a minus 110, then I'll start to take a look at the under. So, there's that there. But with the Cubs, willing to lay up to minus 143 with them. So, I'm going to be laying the price here with the Cubbies. 953, 954 on the betting board. The Milwaukee Brewers at the road face off against the Miami Marlins. Trevor Rogers is going to be going for the fish. Meanwhile, Brent Suter is going to be going for the Brewers. Total on this game is anywhere between 6.5 and, and 7 on the 6.5 over juice of minus 125. And the under is plus 105 on the 7 over and under are at minus 110. With the fish, you're going to be finding them anywhere between minus 138 and minus 142. Plus price here with the Brewers. Plus 126 to plus 132. And I do think that there is some value here with the Brewers. Suter wanted to be getting his career as a starter. Got to figure that he's probably going to be out there for 3 to 4 innings. If he's out there for really north of 4 innings, I'd be very surprised, but he's been able to do a good job of being able to hold down the fort in his relief appearances so far this season. He's made starts before in his career, and if you take a look at it, he's giving up right around 1.2-ish home runs per nine innings, but he's going to be pitching out there in a very pitcher-friendly ballpark. Does a good job of being able to reduce the walks, and for Trevor Rogers, last time he wound facing off against the Milwaukee Brewers, six scoreless innings for him, but he did scatter six hits, so I do think that he's probably going to be a little bit less lucky in this spot. He has only given up two home runs so far this season. He's really cut down on the walks as well. He was having a walks problem at the beginning of the year. Now 13 walks in, 33 innings. He's been able to rein it in, and for the Milwaukee Brewers, lineup is right now an issue for this team. Christian Yelich wound up coming back for a little bit of time. He is back to being injured, which is not terrific. Lorenzo Kamen has come back, but he has not been good. You just take a look at the lineup that they wound up trotting out there yesterday. You had two guys in the starting lineup hitting above a 230, which is not what you like to see, and one of those guys in Tyrone Taylor has not seen a whole bunch of it bad so far this season. Obviously, Garcia has been able to pick it up a little bit, but for the Brewers, good news for this team is that bullpen has been very good for this team. You've got Josh Hader and Devin Williams, a pair of guys that did not wind up pitching yesterday. They're going to be able to hold down the fort. Meanwhile, for the Miami Marlins, I do like what you're getting out of this bullpen as well. Guys like Dylan Floro, Yimi Garcia have been able to hold it down. Adam Simber has come in. He's been able to do a good job along. John Curtis with two S's, but you take a look at this lineup as well, heading into their game against the Arizona Diamondbacks on Thursday. You had three guys hitting above a 2 
10 for this team. Miguel Rojas has been able to get on base for this team along with Jesus Aguiar and Aguiar. It's like five home runs over the last two weeks. He's been surging. And then Chad Wallach has been able to do a little bit of something at the catcher spot. Guys like Brett Anderson, Adam Duvall, Garrett Cooper, these managers have just not been able to match so far this season. So I do think that's a little bit of an intriguing spot. I think that this might be a little bit of an overreaction on the total. I do think that Rodgers is prone to giving up a little bit more than he has right now because he's got a sub-2 ERA. I think that that's going to regress a little bit. And with Suter, I think he'll give up a little bit as well. But I have some faith here in the 8th and ninth inning guys of the Brewers to be able to hold it down. And just the middle relief in general. So I'm going to be taking the plus price here with the Brewers. Set this all at 7.8. So I'm going to be going over as well. 9.55, 9.56 on the banking board. The New York Metropolitans are going to be playing us the Arizona Diamondbacks. Zach Allen is going to be going for the D-backs. Meanwhile, David Peterson is on the pump for the Mets. Mets are finding themselves anywhere between minus 127 and minus 135 favorites. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at the D-backs, anywhere between plus 115 and plus 121 in your total between 7.5 and 8. On the 7.5, or if it's anywhere between minus 110 and minus 120. The unders anywhere between even and minus 110. On the 8, unders anywhere between minus 120 and minus 125. Overs anywhere between even and plus 105. And I just could continue to wonder why Zach Gallon continues to be undervalued. Now, he is someone that he wound up having a little bit of a rough start his last time out, but by and large, you take a look for his career, he has been absolutely tremendous. He has made 31 career starts. In 28 of them, he has given up three earned runs or fewer. Now, the last start that he wound up having against the Colorado Rockies did not wind up going as planned, but you take a look at him by and large, he's been able to do a good job of holding the ball in the yard. He has given up one home run so far this year in 20 and two-thirds innings for his career. He's got a home runs per nine rate that is sub one. Walks have always been an issue for him. He's got 10 walks in 21 and two-thirds innings so far this year, but 27 punch-outs. He has been flat-out nasty. He's backed up by a bullpen that I wouldn't call it great, but at the same time, it is far from terrible. Stefan Kick turns able to give you something. Chris Savinsky looks like he's getting back to his old farm, which is good. Kevin Ginkle has been able to come in and hold down the fort. Meanwhile, you take a look at the New York Metropolitans. Bullpen is actually, when it comes to the metrics, not too bad, but it's hard to have faith in Edwin Diaz, Jurisic Familia, Robbie Gazelman. They bring in Tommy Hunter. I mean, these guys are not necessarily too terrific. And for David Peterson, he's just been all over the place so far this year. He's allowed some hard contact, five home runs, given up in 24 and a third innings. You just take a look at his last two starts, a combined three runs, given up over the course of 11 innings. Previous start before that against Cubs, he lasts three and a third innings. He gives up six runs there. So he just seems to be a little bit sporadic. And for the Mets, they just are having a tough time being able to drive in runs in general. They've actually had a couple guys pick it up with their batting average. Pete Alonso starting to give you a little bit of something. Kevin Pillar wound up having a pair of home runs this week to lead it off. So that's where he's solid. But Jonathan VR, James McCann, Francisco Lindor, these guys are hitting a 222 or lower. Albert Amora Jr. hitting a 067. Not necessarily too terrific. I do think that Zach Allen is going to come in and he's going to be able to just dump a gallon of cold water all over the Metropolitans in this spot. So for that reason, I'm going to be taking the plus price here with the D-backs. Wound up setting this all at 7.3. I think that we're going to get a relatively low-scoring game. So going to be taking the under along with the D-backs. 9.57, 9.58 on the banging board. The Philadelphia Phillies at the road face off against the Atlanta Braves. Charlie Morton is going to be going for the Bravos. Meanwhile, Zach Eflin hopes to not be Eflin awful for the Philadelphia Phillies. Your total on scheme is 8.5 over and under. Anywhere between minus 105, minus 115. If you're taking a look at the Atlanta Braves, find them anywhere between minus 152 and minus 162. Meanwhile, your plus price here with the Phillies is anywhere between plus 133 and plus 148. 
With Charlie Morton, I feel like he should be a favorite in this spot. And I was noting with our good buddy John Jansen, the home and road splits of the Philadelphia Phillies, I think that this is a little bit too extreme. I was willing to take pretty much a plus 135 or higher when it comes to the Philadelphia Phillies because with Zach Eflin, over his last 13 starts with the Philadelphia Phillies, they've went 10-3. and three, So they've been able to get it done in his starts. And if you take a look at Eflin in general, he's given up three home runs at 38 and two-thirds innings at two walks. The command has been there. He always had a walks issue at the beginning part of his career. He's been able to hold that in. Meanwhile, for... Charlie Bourne. Walks aren't great, but they're not terrible. 33 and two-thirds innings so far this year. 12 walks. 39 punch-outs is nice, but he's allowing a lot more contact in general now that he's gotten to Atlanta, which has led to the 508 ERA. You take a look at the Philadelphia Phillies. They are dealing with couple guys that probably should not be getting at bats right now. Odubo Herrera along with Roman Quinn are both hitting well below the Mendoza line of 200. You've had JT Ryumito be in and out of the fold. Looks like he's probably going to be in for this one, but Andrew Knapp his understudy has not been able to do a good job. You've got Mickey Moniak who's hitting a buck 20 right now. Andrew McCutcheon He's been surging to be able to get to a 198 batting average. John Bates has actually been much better for him, but Reese Hoskins, D.D. Gregorius, these guys don't necessarily walk a lot, though I will say for Hoskins, eight home runs so far this year, he's been able to provide that. Meanwhile, with the Atlanta Braves, this is a team that you know they're going to be able to right the ship when it comes to the bats, because right now, as you take a look at it, Ozzy Albies, Marcel Ozuna, Dansby Swanson, Freddie Freeman, all these guys are hitting below a 240. I will say for Freddie Freeman, Abbas has been solid. And Austin Riley has like a 390 Abbas. He's been able to do a great job. Christian Pache, he's out there more for his glove, but a buck 33 batting average, that's not going to hold him for Ronald Acuna Jr. 10 home runs, hitting well above a 300. He certainly has been able to do his part. And when you take a look at the Braves, they do have a better bullpen than the Philadelphia Phillies. We were talking about it with John. You just can't have faith in guys like Hector Neres and Yel De Los Santos, who winds up just coming back up to the big league level. Brandon Kitzler and company, but you also take a look at the Braves with Will Smith. He's been solid, but Tyler Madzik has been a little bit shaky recently. Grant Dayton, Jesse Biddle, they're not great. They're not terrible, and I do think that in this spot, you've got to have a little bit of faith in Eflin. I think that he's not going to be Eflin awful, so I'm going to be taking the plus price here with the Philadelphia Phillies. I want to take this all on 9.1 because I do think that the Braves are going to get online, and I think that the Phillies are going to have a little bit more success in this spot as well, so we are going to be taking the over along with Philadelphia. 959-960 on the betting board. You've got my New York Post play today as the Colorado Rockies hit the road to face off against the St. Louis Cardinals. Captain Jack Flaherty is going to be on the bump for the St. Louis Cardinals. Meanwhile, Austin Gomber goes for the Colorado Rockies. Your total on this game is anywhere between 7 and 7.5. On the 7, over is anywhere between minus 115 and minus 125. The under is anywhere between minus 105 and plus 105. If you're taking a look at these 7.5, under is just a minus 120 to minus 125. Meanwhile, the over is anywhere between even and plus 105 with the Cardinals. Massive favorites here. Anywhere between minus 196 and minus 210. And the plus price here with Colorado between plus 170 and plus 190. And when you take a look at Austin Gomber, he has been able to do a great job when he's not been issuing walks. That has really been the main bugaboo for him this year. He had that start against the Dodgers to lead things off in which he had like seven walks in three innings. That is just not necessarily the start to the year that you're looking for. He does have a 590 ERA, but it's only about three home runs. The 20 walks have just been absolutely brutal. Meanwhile, you take a look at Captain Jack Flaherty. He has been absolutely tremendous throughout his career at home. He's got a ERA that's nearly a point and a half lower at home than it is on the road. So that is something that you do want to point out with him. And then when you take a look at the St. Louis Cardinals team in general, they've been able to get a little bit of offense going. They're ninth in the league when it comes to runs, but they're averaging more in the neighborhood of about 4.1 at home. Meanwhile, on the road, they're averaging north of 5.4. And with the Colorado Rockies, when it comes to the amount of runs per game that they're scoring on the road, they're in the bottom seven of the big leagues. They're averaging fewer than 3.6 per contest. Meanwhile, at home, as we know, Coors Field, they have been able to do an absolutely tremendous job there. But when you take 
take a look at the Cardinals. You got a couple guys that are getting on base for this team. Dylan Carlson, the former Rocky Nolan Arenado, hanging in that neighborhood of a 275. Tommy Edwin has been able to do his job. Paul Goldschmidt has gotten off to a little bit of a rough start to the year, but it seems like he's starting to find it. But Yadier Molina saw on the injured list, which means that Andrew Kisner is having to give you some at-bats. And then when you take a look at the Colorado Rockies, it's just really been a lack of power for this team in general. Remy Tapia, along Trevor Story, guys that you would expect to have a whole bunch of home runs. They haven't necessarily been able to deliver right around four apiece for these guys, Garrett Hampson and Ryan McMahon, hitting between a 259 and a 265 with McMahon. He has been able to give the teammate home runs, so he's been able to hold it down there, but they have kicked the tires on Matt Adams. That's when you know that things have not gotten good. He... Charlie Blackman are hitting right around that Mendoza line of 200 along Dom Nunez. CJ Crone has been able to pick it up, but I do think that you are going to get some good bullpen pitching as well from the St. Louis Cardinals. They've got so many guys I do trust in, like a Giovanni Gallegos. Genesis Cabrera has actually been very solid from Alex Reyes. The list goes on and on. Meanwhile, for the Colorado Rockies, when they've gotten away from home, the bullpen arms of guys like Michael Givens have been solid. Justin Lawrence is a guy that they just wound up calling up to the big leagues. He's able to throw 100 miles per hour. So I take a look in this spot, and I do think that there's a lot of value on the under. That is my New York Post play of the day. I did wind up tipping under in this spot just because I do love Jack Flaherty at home, and I do think that Austin Gomber against his former team, the St. Louis Cardinals, he's going to be able to rein it in. So we are going to be taking that under. I want to thing the total at 6.9, and if you're taking a look at this one, I wound up making the Rockies a take at anything above a plus 172, seeing some plus 190s out there. I do think that this is a good money line price. So, we're going to be taking the Rockies and the New York Post play today is the under. 961-962 on the betting board. The Slam Diego Padres at the road to face off against the San Francisco Giants. Anthony DiScalfani is going to be going for the Yantes. Meanwhile, Blake Snell is on the bump for the Padres. The total is 7 with the over and under anywhere between minus 105 and minus 115 for San Diego. Finding them anywhere between minus 138 and minus 140. Seeing minus 137 out there as well. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at the Giants, anywhere between plus 118 and plus 130. And for Blake Snell, he has been able to do an absolutely terrific job of being able to hold down the fourth for the Padres. Problem is, he's not necessarily giving them a lot of length. The last time he wound up pitching more than six complete innings was in July of 2019, which I find to be very concerning. Now, 37 punch-outs in, 25 and two-thirds innings is terrific, but also 15 walks. That's worth of five walks per nine innings. He has given up three runs or fewer in pretty much all of his starts so far this year, but keep in mind, one of those starts, he wound up lasting two outs against the Pittsburgh Pirates as well. Meanwhile, you take a look at Anthony D'Alfani. He's actually been terrific for the Giants so far. He already has a complete game to his credit against the Colorado Rockies, has given up three earned runs or fewer in pretty much every one of his starts so far this year. If you take a look at how he's performing at home, he's got an ERA of zero. Now, small sample size, two starts, but he's been able to do a great job in San Francisco, and you just take a look at the Giants. This is not a team that is necessarily lighting the world on fire when it comes to offense. Buster Posey has been nothing short of terrific for the team. He's hitting well above a 300. Evan Longoria has come back. He's been able to search. He's hitting a 282. And how just how good Buster Posey is, 394. Now, Mike Talkman has been a nice addition for the team, hitting a 260 ever since he wound up coming in to the organization, but guys like Austin Dickerson, Brandon Belt, Wilmer Flores, Mauricio Dubon, all these guys earning a 230 or lower, and then you take a look at the flip side for the San Diego Padres, Fernando Tatis Jr. dealing with some injuries once again. He has been in and out of the fold, but when he's been in it, he certainly has been able to supply some power. Eight home runs so far this season. Manny Machado has been a little bit off with the batting average, still a 323 on base, but 226 batting average, Jake Cronenworth. Expect a little bit more than like a 265 batting average, Eric Cosmer. has been able to do a great job of getting on base, but guys like Jerickson Profar, Will Myers, a company who you'd expect a couple more home runs from, they haven't been able to deliver. And for both of 
these teams, the bullpen has been relatively solid. For the Padres, they have used their bullpen for more innings than any other team out there in the National League, but guys like Greg Stammen, Emilio Pagan, Mark Melanson, they have all been able to do their job, and for the Giants, it has been a little bit more touch and go, but even someone like Camilio Duval, who has been pressed into action due to the injury to Reyes Morante, has been able to be solid. Jake McGee has come back to earth a little bit recently, but he, Tyler Rogers, Sam Selman, these guys have been able to hold down the fort, so I take a look at this one. I do think that it is very fascinating with Di Scalfani being so dominant at home, but I do think that the Padres are going to be able to get it done in this spot. I was able to lay up to a minus 148 with them. I would want no part of the run line whatsoever because I do think that it is going to be a lower scoring game. Set the total at 6.8, so we're going to be taking it under, and I'm going to be taking the Padres in this spot. 963-964 on the rating where we head to the American League with the Boston Red Sox hitting the road to face off against the Baltimore Orioles. Matt Harvey goes for the Orioles. Meanwhile, Eduardo Rodriguez is on the pump for the Boston Red Sox. Red Sox find themselves as favorites anywhere between minus 156 and minus 162. Plus price here on the Orioles is anywhere between plus 137 and plus 149 with your total on this game between 8.5 and, and 9. On the 8.5, overs juice of minus 120. The unders even on the 9. The unders anywhere between minus 115 and minus 125. The overs anywhere between minus 105 and plus 105. And with the Red Sox, I'm going to be willing to lay it here. But the thing is, do you want to reduce the juice? Right now, I I am seeing a run line price on the Red Sox between minus 105 and even money with the Red Sox. I would probably need a little bit more in the neighborhood of like a plus 105, even a plus 110 to take a shot here. So even though it's a little bit chalky, I'll probably wind up being on the money line in this spot. And when you take a look at Eduardo Rodriguez, he has been able to do a terrific job with command. We recall during his last full season in the big leagues in 2019. You wound up actually leading the American League in walks. So far this year, three walks and 28 innings. So he's rectified that 31 punch out. Has given up five home runs, but you take a look at this Orioles team. Not necessarily one that is mashing right now. Now, they're getting some very good pitching, and John Means winds up throwing that no-hitter a couple days ago, but you just take a look up and down this lineup. Cedric Mullins has been terrific. 320 batting average. He's got some pop in the bat. Trey Boom Boom Mancini along Pedro Severino. Mikel Franco, these guys are able to go yard on you, but I mean you even take a look at Severino, Mikel Franco, Austin A's, Rio Ruiz, Ryan Mountcastle, DJ Stewart, Ramon Urias, all these guys, a 235 or lower. Now with the bullpen, Tanner Scott has been absolutely terrific for the team. Cesar Valdez, it seems like he's getting a little bit lucky right now, but he's getting out of big situations. Dylan Tate, Cole Solzer, all these guys have a relatively good amount of rest and for the Boston Red Sox. In terms of fielding independent and ERA, they've been very solid, but I just fear that this is going to not be able to be sustainable as Garrett Woodlock in that series against the Tigers did not necessarily look so terrific. Josh Shaler, guy that I have no faith in whatsoever. You're having to look to Horakazu Sawamura as one of your better relief pitchers. Bad Andres is someone I do like, but he wound up getting used up yesterday as well, so that's going to be a little bit of a tough situation. And then you take a look at Matt Harvey as things are falling all over the place. He has actually been very good so far this year. That's why things are falling. They can't believe the fact that Matt Harvey has won 3-1 with two home runs given up in 31 innings. Nine walks now. He is someone that he is always prone to giving up that big inning, but he has actually been able to do a solid job for the team, but he's going up against the Boston Red Sox team that the last time they wound up going up against him hit him hard. That was a game that wound up going over him for the Boston Red Sox. Got a couple guys that they do need to pick it up with the batting average. Kike Hernandez has seen a little bit of a dip with that. Bobby Dahlbeck, long Thunder Renfro hitting below the Mendoza line of 200, but Rafael Devers hitting a 290 with seven home runs. You've got J.D. Martinez and Xander Bogarts both hitting at least a 348 in the middle of that lineup. 
lineup with Martinez. He has been able to go deep 10 times so far this season. Alex Verdugo is hitting above a 300. So you've got a lot of good bets with the Boston Red Sox, which is why I'm willing to lay the money line here with them because I do think that the bullpen of the Orioles is going to be solid. And I wound up saying this total at 8.4. So currently seeing the 8.5 to the 9. I'm going to wind up taking this total under to go along with the Red Sox money line. 965-966 on the betting board. We have the Detroit Tigres and they're going to be playing us in the Minnesota Twins. Matt Shoemaker is going to be going for the Twins. Meanwhile, Tariq Skubal is on the bump for the Tigers. Tigers are an underdog here. Anywhere between minus 130 and minus 140. Your plus price here with Minnesota is anywhere between plus 119 and plus 130. And your total on this game is anywhere between 8.5 and, and 9. On the 8.5 overs, you have minus 120. The unders even on the 9. Unders between minus 115 and minus 120. Overs anywhere between even and minus 105. And in this spot... I just can't take a look at the Detroit Tigers. They played well the last two days against the Red Sox. They wind up losing yesterday, but they scored nine runs. They won in 10 innings the day before that. But with this Tigers team, even with the offensive explosion, among guys that wound up getting in at bat yesterday, two of them wound up leaving with a batting average above a 227. That Biero Castro hasn't seen a lot of at-bats. And Jameer Candelario is actually lighting it up with right around a 300 batting average. He's been able to do something for the team. Now, Wilson Ramos has been able to give you a little bit of power, six home runs, but it seems like he's been stuck on six home runs for quite a few weeks. This is a Detroit Tigers bullpen that is worse out there in big leagues with regards to ERA. They wound up getting heavily taxed yesterday. And now you've got a guy in Tariq Skubal who has not necessarily been able to deliver a lot of length throughout his career. So there are a lot of concerns there. Meanwhile, you take a look at the Minnesota Twins. Matt Shoemaker, he has not been tremendous either. With Scooble, 6-14 ERA, giving up 8 home runs in 22 innings. Shoemaker, 23 innings pitch, 7 home runs issued, 783 ERA. So, I mean, misery loves company on this one. Now, Scooble, 14 walks in 22 innings as well, so that's a little bit less. And for the Minnesota Twins, they have been able to do a great job of being able to light it up with the bats despite the fact that they are out there in the Midwest during the springtime. You have been able to get something out of Kyle Garlick, who's hitting at 270 for this bunch as of right now. Josh Donaldson is hitting in that neighborhood as well, but Byron Buxton, along Nelson Cruz, have been terrific. Buxton, 9 home runs, 370 batting average. Nelson Cruz, 300 with 8 home runs. I mean, he's an ageless wonder, but Max Kepler, Jake Cave, Ode Palanco. You got pretty much the entire catcher spot. Ben Rovette was the gentleman yesterday. They're all just not hitting. Miguel Sano, don't you know? 113 batting average, out 300 on base, but still, that is absolutely terrible. And when you take a look at the Minnesota Twins bullpen, I was talking about the Tigers having the worst bullpen in the big leagues of being taxed. Well, the Minnesota Twins wound up having to play 10 innings yesterday, and their bullpen has not been good as well. You've had so many blown opportunities by Alex Calme this year. Ore Alcala has been very hard to miss for the team now. I do like Taylor Rogers, but he has been a little bit shaky. Ansel Robles wound up getting used up yesterday along with Rogers. Ty Duffy wound up getting used as well. So this is just not necessarily a terrific spot here for the Minnesota Twins, in my opinion, when it comes to being able to hold it down. But at the same time, I have absolutely no faith in Tariq Skubal. I did wind up setting this total at 8.3 because I do think that Shoemaker is actually going to be able to give you a good start. I do think that the Detroit Tigers are going to wind up regressing with the bats a little bit more. So I'm going to wind up taking the Minnesota Twins on the money line, and I'm going to be taking this total under as well. 967, 968 on the bank board. The Seattle Mariners hit the road face off against the Texas Rangers. Mike Fultonavich goes for the Rangers. Meanwhile, Chris Flexen is going to be on the bump for the Seattle Mariners. Your total on this game is between 8.5 and, and 9. On the 9, the unders use of money were between minus 115 and minus 120. Overs anywhere between even and minus 105 on the 8.5. Overs anywhere between minus 120 and minus 125. Unders anywhere between even and plus 105. And this is a relatively pick'em game here. With the Seattle Mariners, it's anywhere between minus 105 and minus 115. 
Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at the Texas Rangers, you're going to be finding them as bad as a minus 105, as good as even money. And for Mike fulton it has been a little bit of a trying year for him. But I do think that I'm going to be willing to lay a very small price here because with Chris Flexen, I just fear that the contact that he's giving up so far this year is going to nip him in the tuckus. He has been giving up right around 10 hits per nine innings. It's only allowed two home runs, but I just fear that the hard contact is going to be there. It feels like he's gotten a little bit lucky with that regard. Meanwhile, for fulton he has been unlucky. Nine home runs, giving up at 33 and a third innings. Now, only eight walks, so he's given up fewer walks than home runs, which I find to be very intriguing. I think a lot of this is because he's had to play against the Padres, the LA Angels twice, the Boston Red Sox, so a little bit of misfortune there. And you take a look at Fulton Avich for his career. He has given up quite a few home runs, but he has been able to do a good job of being able to get some swings and misses as well. He's going up against a Seattle Mariners lineup that just wound up getting no hit. And in general, the bottom of the lineup for this team has been absolutely terrible. Ore Mamaloe, still in more. Evan White, Tom Murphy, Kyle Lewis, the reigning rookie of the year, and I think that he's going to be able to rein it in, but all these guys are in below the Mendoza line of 200. Sam Haggerty, the only guy to wind up reaching base in that contest a few days ago. He was able to reach base on a pass ball against John Means, but I mean, you take a look at Ty France, Mitch Hanniger, Kyle Seeger, your best hitters hitting between a 242 and a 254, so that's a little bit rough. Meanwhile, you take a look at the Mariners. Bullpen has actually been tremendous for this team. Kendall Graveman has come in. He's been able to do a great job out of the bullpen. Anthony Machevich has been able to give you something. Rafael Montero has had a couple rough outings, but he has been able to do his job as well. Your second rider, I like what I'm seeing out of him. Meanwhile, for the Texas Rangers, bullpen has been brutal. Brett Tegais has been someone that has not necessarily been too too reliable for the team. Josh Shorbich, Jolie Rodriguez, guys like this have not necessarily been too amazing, but they have been able to do a little bit of a better job recently. And for the Texas Rangers, this is a team that at home they're actually scoring significantly fewer runs than on the road. I'm not sure why, but you do have quite a few guys at the top lineup that are starting to hit for this team. You got a 400 out of Anthony Abans. He just winds up getting called up to the majors. He's been able to do a little bit of something, but Isaiah Kinnear, Falefa, Nate Lowe, Nick Solak. All in between a 270 and a 275, Charles T. Culberson, a 281, and Willie Calhoun, 328 batting average. He's been solid. Joey Gallo is a 393 on base, so you've got quite a few guys that are going to be able to put some runs up on the board, in my opinion, but you take a look at this one. I think that we are going to have a situation in which Fultonavich is going to be able to find it against the Seattle Mariners. I did wind up saying this settle at 8.7, so... With heavy, heavy juice on the 8.5, I'm going to be taking a look at the under. I'm going to hope for a little bit more of an unjuice time, but with that said, in some form or capacity, I'm going to be taking a look at this total under and, like I said, willing to lay up to about minus 113, minus 114 here with the Texas Rangers, so we're going to be riding with them. 969, 970 on the betting board. The Kansas City Royals are going to be playing us to the Chicago White Sox. Carlos Rodon is going to be going for the White Sox. Brad Thunderkeller is on the bump for the Kansas City Royals. Your price here on the Royals is anywhere between plus 130 and plus 140. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at the Shy Sox, anywhere between minus 142 and minus 155, your tolerance game is 8.5. With the 8.5, over is anywhere between minus 115 and minus 120. The under is anywhere between even and minus 105. Seeing 9 populate as well, that under is minus 125. The over is plus 105. And when you take a look at what you're able to get out of the Kansas City Royals in this spot, I do think that Keller should be a bit of an underdog. I think that this is a little bit too much of an extreme. You take a look at Keller. He had a 0.27 ERA at home last season. Now, he this season has been a disaster to say the least. It doesn't matter whether he's at home. It doesn't matter if he's on the road. He just has had a little bit of a rough go of it. 8.06 ERA. He has given up 12 blocks and 22 innings. So he's been a little bit of a bugaboo for him. And 36 hits. So, I mean, it's hits for 9. It's to the moon. But 
You take a look at Rodon. I do think that there's going to be a little bit of regression here. 25 innings pitch, 36 punch outs. He obviously wound up having that no hitter. He's only given up one home run so far this season. And you take a look at the White Sox. I think that there's actually going to be progression when it comes to their bullpen. They've been a little bit rough this season, but I think that guys like Aaron Bummer, Liam Hendricks, Matt Foster, gentlemen like this are going to be able to find it. But you take a look at the Kansas City Royals. They've been able to get down with their bullpen themselves. Scott Barlow, Jake Brands, Greg Holland, these guys have all been able to do a good job of long shots to mount. And when you take a look at the Kansas City Royals, you know that at some point, Orde Soler is going to hit. This is someone that during the 2019 season had 49 home runs. Right now this year, setting a buck 98, just as not being able to find it with the bat, only two home runs. Ryan O'Hearn, Hunter Dozier, Nicky Lopez, hitting at 210 or lower, but at the top lineup, Carlos Santana has a 250 batting average with a 364 on base. Andrew Benatendi, with Mirafield, along Salvador Perez, in between a 269 and a 286. These guys have certainly been able to do their job along with Michael A. Taylor, and then you take a look at the flip side for the White Sox. You had Jose Abreu wind up getting off to a little bit of a tough start to begin the year, but he's been able to find it a little bit more recently. Tim Anderson, Nick Madrigal hitting a 295 or greater now. Some of the guys at the bottom of the lineup, Yasmani Grandal, Luis Garcia, Billy Hamilton, even a Jake Lamb. These guys are in below the Mendoza line of 200, but Andrew Vaughn, after a tough start to the year, he's been able to find it as well, so leaves you in a little bit of an intriguing spot here in this spot. I was willing to take the Royals as long as I was able to get at least a plus 130. That certainly is the case here, and with this total, I wound up setting it at 8.3. I do think that you are going to be able to get some good performances out of both Rodon and Keller. I think that both of these bullpens are going to be on their P's and Q's as well, so we're going to be taking this total under, and I'm going to be taking the plus price here with the Royals. 971-972 on the bank board. The Toronto Blue Jays hit the road face off against the Houston Astros. Ross Stripling is going to be going for the Blue Jays. Meanwhile, Jose Urquidy is going to be on the bump for the Astros. Astros are finding themselves anywhere between minus 135 and minus 143 plus price here with the Blue Jays. Anywhere between plus 115 and plus 128 with your total on this game at 9. The under is anywhere between minus 105 and even seeing some even money out there. We're also seeing as bad as a minus 120. Meanwhile, for the over, it's anywhere between even a minus 120 as well. So this is all over the boulevard. And when you take a look at Jose Urquidy, he wound up having a very solid year in 2019 and in 2020. Hasn't necessarily been able to find it this year. It's not great. It's not terrible. 371 ERA, 34 innings, 27 punch outs. has never really been a hard tosser, but he's only given up eight walks. So it's neither been here nor there. Meanwhile, you take a look at Ross Tripling. Last couple years have been a disaster for him. 639 ERA so far this season. He's gotten 14 strikeouts in 12 and two-thirds innings, but He's also given up a pair of home runs, wound up last pitching on Sunday. But prior to that, he wound up spending a month on the injured list. In his first start back, he didn't look terrible. He wound up giving up two runs in four and a third innings, but it's really hard to trust him. Last season, he had north of a two home runs per nine innings issued, so that was not necessarily too terrific. He wound up having a combined ERA right around six last season, and what you also fear with him is he strike out to walk rate, because that last season was hovering right around 2.3. Prior to that in his career, 4.7, 6.2, 3.9, so he'd been doing a good job there, so you just sort of wonder where the command is going to be in for the Houston Astros. This is a team that they do a good job of being able to take guys deep. Michael Brantley has been able to get on base with above a 300. Jordan Alvarez, Yoli Gurriel, they're both hitting above a 300. You've got Alex Pregman hitting right around a 2 95 and all these guys are guys that during their championship season a few years ago wound up hitting 20 plus home runs aside from Brantley who obviously wasn't a part of that title team a couple years ago but Jose Altuve currently hitting a 256 I think he'll be able to pick it up with along with Carlos Correa bottom of the lineup has been a little bit tough but Ella Mendes yes it's giving you a tad bit of something for the Houston Astros bullpen not great not terrible Brian Abreu has been able to give you some solid innings I like what I'm seeing out of Ryan Presley Brooks Raley they've been used quite a bit recently but these guys have been able to hold it down meanwhile you take a look at this Blue Jays team they've got one of the 
top bullpens out there in the big leagues, even with Julian Merriweather currently dealing with an injury. Rafael Dolis has been able to do a good job for the team. You've been able to get something out of Tim Maza. Joel Payampas has been good as well. And then when you take a look at the Blue Jays, a tax bullpen to say the least because they didn't wind up getting what they were necessarily expecting enough on Jin Ryu, but you were able to get Pumpus along with Travis Bergen to give you two scoreless innings apiece out of the bullpen, which was very helpful for them. And with the Blue Jays, even without George Springer, this is a team that they're mashing. You've got Marcus Simeon and Randall Gritchick, who went deep yesterday. They've got a combined 13 home runs between them. Simeon has gotten his batting average up to a 254. For Gritchick, he's hitting above a 300. To ask Hernandez is back. He wound up having an ACA yesterday. He's hitting a 250. Vlad Guerrero Jr., 465 on base with power. That's pretty darn good. Now, you've got to feel like Jonathan Davis, Danny Jansen, Lawrence Guriel, and Kevon Biggio are going to be able to pick it up to all these guys in a 220 or lower, but I do like what I'm seeing out of the Toronto Blue Jays in general with that regard, but I just think that in this spot, you're not necessarily going to be able to get a good start out of Ross Stripling. I think that he's going to be a little bit too prone to giving up the deep ball, which is why I did wind up setting this total at 9.2. I am going to wind up taking this thing over with some unjust signs out there, and with the Astros, I'm comfortable laying up to about a minus 144 in this spot. So we're going to be taking it here with the Astros on the money line to go along with this total over. 973, 974 on the main board. The Tampa Bay Rays are going to be in the road face-off against the Oakland Athletics. Chaminade is going to be going for the A's. Meanwhile, Rich Hill is on the bump for the Rays. If you're looking at the Rays, you're going to be finding them anywhere between a plus 124 and a plus 128. Meanwhile, if you're looking at the Oakland A's, and we're between minus 136 and minus 148 with your total on game 8 with the 8 over and under anywhere between minus 105 and minus 115. For Manea, he has been having some ups and downs ever since he wound up coming back from injury a couple years ago, but by and large, he's been able to do a relatively decent job of being able to hold down the fort and keep the ball in the yard so far this year, and keep in mind, this is going to be a night game out there in Oakland, so Marine Layer's going to be out. Four home runs given up in 33 and two-thirds innings. Command is good. Seven walks so far this season. Meanwhile, for Rachel, he has not been good so far this year. Five home runs given up in 25 and a third innings. He's got 28 strikeouts, but he's the oldest active starting pitcher out there in the big leagues. A north of six ERA. He has went north of four and a third innings just twice so far this year, so that's not been too terrific. Now, I will say for the Tampa Bay Rays, bullpen has been able to pick it up in a big way. You've been able to get something out of Jeffrey Springs. You've still got Hunter Strickland throwing some gas. Ryan Thompson has been able to come in and hold down the fourth. This is a team that they've been dealing with a lot of injuries, but looks like Peter Fairbanks might be back for this team, which is something that you do like. And for the Oakland A's, bullpen of this team has been relatively rock solid, despite a couple injuries for them. J.B. Wendell Ken currently not with the team, but you've got Yasmero Petit, Lou Trevino, even someone like Deolius Carrera, who on coming in for the team yesterday. These guys have been solid along Jake Diekman. Now, Jordan Weems can be a little bit Hermes and Sergio Romo. Well, there's a reason why I call him Sergio instead of Sergio, but you take a look at this Oakland A's lineup. They do a relatively solid job of being able to hit for some power. You need some more guys that are getting on base, but you've been able to find that. Among the guys in the starting lineup yesterday for the Oakland A's, you wound up having just two guys with an on-base percentage below a 311, which is actually really solid for them. Mark Canna has been able to give you like a 380 on-base Ramon Laureano after a rough start to the year. He's hitting at 260. Matt Olson has been able to supply a lot of power for this team. Seven home runs so far this season. Matt Jamman has had a rough go of it to begin the year, but Chad Lowry has been able to pick it up as well. And then when you take a look at the flip side for the Tampa Bay Rays, this is a team that they just strike out a ton. They lead the league in strikeouts ever since the beginning of the 2020 season, but Randy Orozarena does a good job of being able to get on base for this team. He's been able to hit right in the neighborhood of about a 275. Now you need a little bit more out of quite a few of these guys. Austin Meadows, Yoshi Satsugo, Kevin Kiermaier, Mark Barrasso, 
Brett Phillips, Willie Adamas. All hitting a 227 or lower, but Joey Wendell's been able to get on base. Francisco Mejia is hitting a 300 as well. I think that you've got yourself a very intriguing spot in this one because it's just hard to have a lot of faith in Rich Hill in general. I was willing to lay up to about a minus 160 here with the Oakland A's. If you're taking a look at the run line price, no question you're going to be getting a big plus price here. I'm seeing it at plus 150 in some spots with the Oakland A's. I was willing to take this at a much, much lower number, so I'm going to wind up laying the run in half. I'm going to take it here with the Oakland A's because I do think that they're going to light up Rich Hill, which is why I wound up also setting this total at 9.4. So we're taking the over and the run line here of the Oakland A's. 975, 976 on the banking board. The New York Yankees are going to be playing against the Washington Nationals. Patrick Corbin is going to be going for the Nats. Meanwhile, Jamison Tyon is going to be on the bump for the Yankees. Yankees are finding themselves anywhere between minus 170 and minus 185. Meanwhile, the plus price here with the Nats is anywhere between plus 157 and plus 165. And when you take a look at the total, it is anywhere between 9 and 9.5 nine and on the 9.5. Under is anywhere between minus 115 and minus 125. Over is anywhere between minus 105 and plus 105. On the 9, over is anywhere between minus 120 and minus 125. Under is anywhere between even and plus 105. And when you take a look at the Washington Nationals, should they be an underdog in the spot? Yes. Has Patrick Corbin been a disaster so far this year? Yes. At the same time, I think that this is a little bit too much of an overreaction. You take a look at Patrick Corbin. 8-10 ERA so far this year, giving up 7 home runs. But you take a look at his last start. It wound up being better against the Miami Marlins. He gives up 2 runs over the course of 7 innings. And really, 2 out of his last 3 starts have been very good. He wound up having a little bit of a tough one against the New York Mets. But it seems like he's starting to find his form. Meanwhile, for Jamison Tyon, his last start against the Detroit Tigers was solid. But once again, that is against the Detroit Tigers. It just seems to be going good start, bad start. Good start, bad start for him. And he's not one north of 5 innings. Now, with the Yankees, bullpen has been absolutely superb for this team all season long. Aroldis Chapman has been able to continue to do Aroldis Chapman things, but Chad Green winds up coming out of the bullpen yesterday. He did not wind up looking too solid. Probably is not going to be able to be used today. Darren O'Day has been able to give you a little bit of something. I do like what you're getting out of Jonathan Lewiska and Wani Peralta, who they wind up requiring from the San Francisco Giants as well. But for the Washington Nationals, what I do like about this team is the fact that they get on base. Now, with not having Juan Soto for so long, they have not been able to get that power, but they have been able to get guys that have been just at the very least on the pond. Trey Turner down for what? Yadiel Hernandez along Josh Harrison. All these guys are hitting at least a 299. And Soto wound up having a pitch hitting appearance yesterday. So his prospects are good for being able to play in some form or capacity in this one. Especially if they wind up DHing him. So that is something that you do want to keep in mind. Ryan Zimmerman hitting above the 300 as well. Now Josh Bell has been a disaster. He, Kyle Schwarber both have some power in the bat. But neither of these guys hitting above the Mendoza line of 200. But for the Washington Nationals, they themselves have been able to pick things up with the bullpen. Brad Hand has been doing a terrific job for this team. Kyle Finnegan is not necessarily the world's greatest relief arm, but he's been able to give you a little bit of something you wind up having. Someone in Danny Hudson who wound up getting used yesterday, but only for 11 pitches, and more importantly for the Washington Nationals. Wander, I swear, oh, this guy sucks, has been on the injured list, so that means that you haven't had to look to him, which is actually a addition by subtraction. Instead, you get someone like a Sam Clay, and then you take a look at the Yankees. The offense has been able to right the ship thus far. They've got a little bit more of something out of some of the guys that you'd expect. You've got TJ LeMay, currently hitting with a 361 on base, 267 batting average. Aaron Judge has had a little bit of a funk the last couple days, but still he's able to give this team some power. He's hitting right around at 255. Giancarlo Santon back above 300. That's where you expect him to be. Gio Urshel is able to do a solid job, and Gleyber Torres is upping his on base as well. Now, bottom of the lineup, Aaron Hicks, along with Gary Sanchez, Mike Ford, Clint Frazier, Brett Gardner, all these guys hitting at 202 or lower, and Kyle Agashioka has been in a little bit of a funk as well, but he's still better than Gary Sanchez, so there is that, but with the Yankees, they should be a sizable favorite here, but I feel like this has went a little bit too far. I want up saying this total at 8.8 
good as well. I do think that Tyon is going to be able to give the Yankees a couple solid innings. I do think that both of these starting pitchers are starting to pick it up a little bit more. I think that both bullpens are going to be able to hold down the fort. So plus price here with the Nats, along with this total under the play here, 977, 978 on the betting board. You've got yourself the Cincinnati Reds and the road face off against the Cleveland Indians. Zach Lisak is going to be going for the Indians. Wade Miley hopes to have a party out there in Cleveland for the Cincinnati Reds. Your Dolan's game is AF. Overs anywhere between minus 110 and minus 120. Unders anywhere between even and minus 110. If you're taking a look at the Cleveland Indians, anywhere between minus 130 and minus 139. Plus, price here with the Cincinnati Reds is anywhere between plus 112 and plus 126 for Wade Miley. After having just a rough last two years, to say the least, he's been much more respectable so far this season. He's not necessarily a terrific pitcher by any stretch of the imagination, but three home runs given up in 27 innings, 267 ERA. I would call that rock solid. Meanwhile, for Zach Plesak, he has been all over the map so far this year. You take a look at his last five starts. Zero runs given up in seven innings. Now, that was against the Detroit Tigers, but then gives up a pair of six spots in the Chicago White Sox starts. One of those only went two-thirds of an inning. He winds up giving up three runs in seven and two-thirds innings against the Minnesota Twins. Then he goes... Five and two-thirds shutout against the Chicago White Sox. So, he's been up and down. Does a good job with command. Seven walks in 32 innings, and he's backed up by an amazing bullpen. James Karinczak has been absolutely terrific for this team. Brian Shaw has been able to do the job. Nick Wicker, and after a very terrible start to the year, he's been able to pick it up. Phil Maiden, Emmanuel Clays. You've got all these guys for the Cincinnati Reds. Bullpen has been a disaster. Amir Garrett has actually been able to do a relatively solid job. Sean Doolittle, well, he's not doing a whole lot for you. Right around a 4 GRA. TJ Antone is someone I like in long relief, but, I mean, Ethan Embry, Ryan Hendricks, these are guys I don't necessarily have a lot of faith in. And then with the Reds, you got to be noting their home and road splits. At home, they're averaging over 7 runs per game. They lead the league. On the road, 2.9 runs per game. You've got quite a few guys that are doing a good job of getting on base. Jesse Winker, 359 batting average, 422 on base. The entire catcher spot, Tucker Barnard, Tyler Stevenson, both of these guys hitting well above a 285 with Stevenson, 392 on base. Taylor Naquin has been stuck on six home runs for seemingly an eon. He's been able to do a solid job of getting on base. But Jonathan India, after a very good start to the year, he has really regressed as well. But you take a look at this Indian team. They've had a rough time with the bats as well. Framio Reyes has been banged up quite a bit recently. He's been able to right around a 285, though. He's been able to give the team eight home runs. Jose Ramirez, nine home runs, 260 batting average, and when he gets the ball foul, he apparently gets hit by a pitch. Thank you, Angel Hernandez, for that. That, But you take a look at some of the bottom feeder bats for the Cleveland Indians. Jake Bowers, Yu Chang, Amit Rosario, Andres Jimenez, Jordan Luplo, Cesar Hernandez, all hitting for the seam a 205 or lower. I will say this, you are getting some power out of Josh Naylor, and he's hitting a 260, so that's been relatively solid. And for Luplo, he does have on the campaign six home runs, so that's been a little bit helpful, but I take a look at the spot, and I was only able to set the total at 8 because with the Reds are just not hitting on the road. I would need a plus 132 to take a shot here on the Reds. It's just a little bit too high. I would need more like a minus 132 to take a look at the Indians. Right now, I'm seeing minus 133. If worse comes to worse, I'll probably just wind up taking the minus 133. But if you're taking a look at the run line of the Indians, I'm seeing that at a plus 150. I was willing to take this as long as I was getting north of a plus 145. That seems to be the case. So this is a spot in which I'm going to be taking that run line of the Cleveland Indians with the plus 150 available at Circa, and I am going to be taking this total under as well. And wrap things up with the battle for LA, 979-980 on the betting board. The Dodgers hit the road to face off against the Angels. Griffin Kenning is going to be going for the Angels. Meanwhile, Julio Arias is on the bump for the Dodgers as your total on this game is 8.5. Over is anywhere between minus 115 and minus 125. The under is anywhere between minus 105 and plus 105. Dodgers, sizable favorites. 
Anywhere between minus 157 and minus 170 is the price there. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at the Angels, anywhere between plus 144 and plus 151 is what you're finding with that. And for Griffin Canning, he has been able to do a good job of being able to get swings and misses throughout his career. So he's had a little bit of an issue when it comes to giving up the deep ball, and he's facing off against a Dodgers lineup that has most of their pieces out there. But man, this is a Dodgers team that's struggling. They start the year 13-2, and and now they have lost 13 out of their last 17. Three three-game losing streaks in the span of two weeks after they did not wind up having any during the year 2020. And this is an LA Angels team that they played right around 60% of their games to the over. Big reason why they're getting a whole lot of power. You take a look at them so far this season. They're leading the American League in so many power numbers. You've got Mike Trout hitting nearly a 400 with north of a 500 on base. He has been absolutely terrific. Eight home runs for him. Shohei Otani. Nine home runs. 265 batting average. Jared Walsh sitting at 333. He's got six bombs for this much. And when you take a look at the Angels and what you're able to get outside of those guys, it's still relatively solid as I do like what you're able to get out of an ancillary piece like a David Fletcher. He's able to set the table. 265 batting average for him. Jose Iglesias. We're on a 275. Now Justin Upton banged up. He just has not necessarily been able to do a great job of being able to get on base for the team blocked to Albert Pujols who is ancient but Anthony Rendon is back. He's been able to get the team right around a 275 batting average. He's starting to pick it up with the power as well. And then you take a look at the flip side which you're able to get out of the Dodgers. Justin Turner down for what has been the concept for this team. Seven home runs. 333 batting average. You need a little bit more out of some of these other guys though. Cody Bellinger has been on the injured list for much of the campaign so you're going to need Max Muncy to be able to pick it up. He's been hitting below a 225 for this team. Gavin Lux just has not been able to find it all season long. It has been a hot mess from Mookie Betts. Right now, hitting at 250, you just expect a little bit more out of him. That's good for an average player. For Mookie Betts, that's not Chris Taylor. He's been able to give you right around a 265 batting average, but the good news is, someone like an A.J. Pollock has been able to step up. Will Smith, he has been giving you right around a 365 on base as well. And then when you take a look at the Dodgers bullpen, it has been getting heavily taxed recently, but being able to get that day off yesterday is big because now you're able to get Dennis Santana. Someone like a Scott Alexander. A little bit of rest, and I can't believe I'm saying those names because guys like Pursuiter Gray Adderall, David Price and company are currently on the injured list. Meanwhile, you take a look at the Angels. This is a bullpen that you really don't have a lot of faith in. You've got in my opinion, the most unreliable closer that a lot of people like in Rossi Iglesias. I just don't understand the hype around him. Aaron Slagers has been solid. CC's check as well, but Alex Claudio, no faith in him. Junior Guerra a couple days ago looked bad. Mike Myers has been solid, but by and large, I don't have a lot of faith in the Angels pitching staff in general. And for Mr. Julio Arias, he has been very solid. Four home runs given up in 372 thirds innings, 42 punch outs. We saw what he was able to do in the postseason and he has continued that. He has only given up six walks so far this season as well. So I do think that the Dodgers should be a relatively sizable favorite. I wound up setting them at minus 170 on the money line. If you're looking to reduce the juice, I needed pretty much any sort of plus price here to take a shot here on the Dodgers. Right now, I'm seeing that right around even money. I'm also seeing some minus 104, minus 105. I'm going to try to see if I'm able to get a plus money price on the run line of the Dodgers. In some form or capacity, I'm going to be taking that money line slash run line. I'm hoping that I'm able to get that even money, but with that said, going to be taking the Dodgers in this spot. And when it comes to the total, I wound up setting this back boy at 9.6. So we're going to be taking this one over and I'm going to be taking the Dodgers in this spot and that will wrap things up for the Baseball Winning Podcast on this wonderful Friday. Big thanks to John Jansen of Fox Sports Philadelphia, the gambler, for joining me in the last segment. If you like what you're hearing from this fine podcast, you're able to subscribe wherever you get your podcast. Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. If you have a question for the podcast, one of two ways we will fire those in my Twitter timeline at Jaren's41. Keep in mind the letters M. They mean does not matter. The other way is find an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, 
It's very much appreciated. Then from there, you're able to send questions, comments, segment ideas, what have you. I always appreciate you guys sitting in. I'll be coming at you guys every single day in which we've got MLB games, which means I'm coming at you guys once again tomorrow. Thank you so much for tuning in.